This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. So this is brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media. And as we say, Christmas cheer to you because we are looking forward now to the Boxing Day game at Brighton at the Amex Stadium, 8pm kickoff. I know there's been a lot of chat about that as to whether or not it should or shouldn't go on. We will talk about that a little bit later. But like I said to you, you know, we're going to talk in this podcast briefly about the Chelsea game just before Christmas in the quarterfinal of the cup. And then we're going to look forward to the Brighton game. My name is Billy Grant and I'm sitting here on the South coast, already potty, just waiting for this Brighton game. Actually, I'm sitting here looking at the sea and, uh, you know, waiting for the ship to come in with lots of goals for us <laughs> on Boxing Day, fingers crossed. With the Laney man, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, well, the, the good ship, the good ship goals. That's what you're waiting for, is it? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, looking forward to the game um, as much as I can be on Boxing Day evening. Um, as you said, we'll talk about that later on. It's, a, it's an odd one, um, but it's, it's equally odd for everyone, home fans and away fans. So at least at least they're not getting a better better bargain than us. No, not at all. So like I said to you on this podcast, we're going to talk about the Chelsea quarterfinal match. We're going to talk about the, the, the Brighton game as well. And we've got A.D. Packham as well, who's going to be chatting from the Albion Raw. He's going to give us a bit of a lowdown about Brighton and quite a lot of a lowdown as to why he's really not happy with the game being played at eight o'clock on a boxing day. But listen, first of all, like I said to you, I mean, this is the Christmas period, Christmas cheer. And, and it's going to go on to the end of the year. I mean, 2021 obviously finishes on the 31st of December. And uh, we recorded our Christmas festive festive podcast uh, just before Christmas and it's out there now. So like I said to you, you know, it's non-time dependent. So you can actually listen to it at any time that you want to, you know, between now and probably the end of January, actually, because it goes through all sorts of different things like, you know, your best goal of the year, you know, the best player of the year, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a laugh. There's about six of us in the pub, in the Globe pub. They took really good care of us. And uh, like I said, we discussed quite a lot of things. Uh, did you? I mean, I had a little bit of a listen back because I have to admit, I, I couldn't remember too much about the podcast <laughs> after I'd recorded it, lady. But, so I had to listen back to it. And uh, I thought it was quite quite funny, actually. How about yourself? Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed recording it and I thoroughly enjoyed listening back to it yesterday. Yeah, I went for a long walk uh, yesterday and um, I, it, yeah, it kept me company and it kept me laughing, let's be honest. Yeah, there was a bit of quite a lot of confusion going on. And uh, it, the the more the more Jack Frost that I drank, probably the less uh, less sense I was speaking. But no, no, I thought I thought everyone uh, um, shared some 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 cracking memories. It's, you know, let's let's not let's not uh, beat around the bush. Twenty twenty one has been an incredible year for Brentford Football Club. Um, and if you can't enjoy a year like this, you're never going to enjoy a year being a Brentford fan. Been, been, there has been some downs as well as ups. It's not, you know, it's not all been plain sailing. But you know, looking back at it, it's you'd, you'd want to kind of cut and paste that for next year as well. If you could guarantee that's the kind of uh, achievements that we get every year, then uh, we, we'd all be happy bees. 
And I mean, and like I said, funny moments or interesting moments. I mean, we talked about our player of the year. We had Jimmy Mack, who actually uh, voted for Charlie Good as his player of the year. He was actually going to go for his uh, striker of the year as well, which, uh, which brought out a few chuckles, didn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> and he, w- he wasn't taking the piss out of Charlie Good. He was, it was kind of, it was like he, he's been a kind of a really good news story, hasn't he? Uh, you know, I think everyone had kind of written him off and he had a really poor time in terms of, you know, he, he had a mystery illness last year and, you know, we all hoped that that was going to be fine for him. Um, and he's been like chucked in the deep end in the Premier League end and uh, he, he's had some good performances of late. And uh, yeah, they, the throwing him up front was a bit random, but he didn't complain and he's, he's, he's cracked on. So now he's a, you know, he's, he's, a, he's, a team, he's a name that we see on the team sheet and we don't, we don't cringe anymore. No, and maybe that's our fault because, uh, again, with the amount of Jack Frost and uh, all sorts of other stuff that has been consumed, we forgot to put in the, the most improved player of the, the year category. Like, you know, so sometimes we've just got to crowbar people in wherever you can do. But anyway, but listen, we're going to crack on because we're going to, well, I'm going to go off. I might actually take a little walk on the seafront for a little bit, and then I'm going to come back. And then we're going to talk about that game that we'll probably rather actually eradicate from our memory banks the Chelsea game. So Wednesday night, we played Chelsea at New Griffin Park. Again, it's one of those strange ones in the League Cup. And, uh, you know, lots of new fans, lots of different fans in the house because uh, a lot of people opted not to go to the game due to various reasons, family reasons, also a fear of maybe getting the virus before Christmas. So there's a lot of even our chums who decided to watch on TV. So again, it was a slightly different vibe within the stadium as well as you could feel you know trying to get the atmosphere going was 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 probably not as easy as other games but listen I mean we could talk about that game as much as we can do but I think it's easier for you to go over to the fans both Chelsea and Brentford fans straight after the final whistle in the fan in the stand and see what they had to say straight after the game we're unlucky, you know, own goal apparently and a penalty. Um, not a terrible. I'll put it down. I'll, I'll put it down as a training game. Yeah, we're getting back into the swing of things after the disruption of COVID. The uh, we'll focus on the league as the uh, as the cliche goes. Um, well done, Chelsea. Fair play, you know. But at the end of the day, we, we're, we're also we're, we're coming back. We're recovering from uh, the disruption that has been, and we've got to build for, for bigger things, more important games coming. We didn't. We should have been one or two up. Maybe 1-0 up, header from Jensen should have been better. We've got to put those away at this level. And then we took players off, good players off. They put Kante on, Jorginho on, um, Mount on, and they had a bit more quality. And But I think 2-0 is a bit hard. You've had a good game today. You could have won it in the first half, could have scored a couple of times. If you'd pressed us a little bit harder and settled us, you could have really, you know, you could have really done something. But obviously by the time Tuchel brings on those those players, that's when the game turned and we, we took our chances, you know. But up until in the first half you could have you could have done it really, but you didn't. First half definitely was Brentford's half. You know, if they were gonna win it, that was a great opportunity for them to go and really get sort of like two good goals. They were um, hitting on the counter attack, they were defending fantastically well. Chelsea didn't really look like scoring, and then, um, like you said, game of two halves, man. When they bring on the big boys in the second half, Mason Mount, Kante, as soon as Kante come on, he changed the game, and then you got Jorginho just sitting there, just pulling the strings. I love our team, obviously, but we have to be critical as well. We'll take this win, but it's not a win I'm particularly proud of. But second half, we played a lot better, we created a lot of chances, but we need to come back to the drawing board, really, reevaluate see what happens in January as well. Yourself, Brentford, was amazing. Again, bad result, but you guys played amazingly. I can't lie. Rico was fantastic first half, got to say. Um, we had a couple of good chances, you know, fairly weak headers in the end or, you know, too close to the keeper. That, that Kante fella, their academy player, Kante, he was really good. Um, yeah, no, I thought Chelsea deserved the win in the end. Um, we were a little bit disappointing, but, you know, they, they only won from an own goal and a penalty, so, you know, they, they haven't really got much to brag about. And they, they said they couldn't get a team out. I mean, there's some teams to end up with, isn't it? If you're not interested in the competition, you're trying to get it called off. We had a chance in the first half. I thought we sat off them a bit much. I thought we gave them too much respect and we didn't take our chances when they had some of the lesser players on the pitch who actually didn't play very well. The kids, I thought that a couple of them froze and um, did look out of place and we didn't really exploit it. I didn't think we pushed forward enough. Um, Rico exceptional in the first half. He, he really was pressing forward. But we didn't really do enough. It was an even game and then they brought on the big guns, as you say, and they were a different class. And Kante is 
probably one of the finest footballs I've ever seen. Um, listen, we'll move on to the league, which is the main priority, um, and hopefully get back playing again in a few days' time. So there you have it, Chelsea fans, Brentford fans, straight after the League Cup quarterfinal. I mean, if you look at it, you know, on paper, lady, I mean, we held Chelsea for uh, for 80 minutes and uh, it took them to sort of wheel on the big guns, you know, your Kante and co, before they actually managed to kind of get a win out of us, which was, a, a you know, an own goal and a penalty. And uh, it's interesting, you know, chatting to, you know, one Chelsea fan after the game, even though they'd won, it wasn't happy at all. Like, you know, it's almost I felt a bit embarrassed that they kind of like got a win in the last minute with a known goal and a penalty and they managed to scrape a bit of a win. But at the end of the day, it probably was, and I say probably was, it was, you know, a fairness result. If, you know, if you're going for the fairness factor, which we haven't done for a while, you know, probably a fair result, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, I said that in the, you know, straight after the game and <clears throat> I, thought it was a, I thought it was a fair result. Um, but... It was a massively missed opportunity. Thomas Frank said as much in his post-match, and I'd have to agree with that. If we, you know, it's, it's about learning this season. If we use that as a barometer, the two games we've played against Chelsea, we can count ourselves as unlucky not to have drawn both at the very least, uh, or drawn one and won one. And I, I think with clinical finishing uh, on Wednesday night, we, we could have gone three up. Yeah, they, they had a they had a chance as well, like an unmarked header, which um, you know Fernandez didn't really have to work too hard to save, but it was straight at him. But you know, it was sometimes those take goalkeepers by surprise. So we had three really strong chances in the first half. There was the two headers and the chance where Mbumo was coming in at the back post and uh, um, Rico kind of, he was, he was so concentrating on, on keeping the ball in front of him and, and getting past his man. I, I don't necessarily blame him for, for not seeing Brian coming in at the back stick. So um, <clears throat> that, that could have made it three. Uh, as I said, if everything's going our way, three up at the break, you, you, they bring their guns, big guns on earlier and you, you might hang on for a 3-2 victory or a, or a draw. But it's, 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 the way it, it's the way it is. But, you know, yeah, two, two games against the European champions this year, we've acquitted ourselves really well. And, and as you say, the Chelsea fans after the game, one says, you know, he's, he's, he's taken the victory, but he's not proud of it. And the other one says, you know, we, we did really well and we, 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 we should have, we should, we could have, we could have, should have done better in the first half, which is all true. So, yeah, heads held up high. We've not been embarrassed. Um, and, you know, we have to improve um, that, that quality for, ne- for next season. And that's, you know, it's a clear indication of where we're slightly weak. Um, but that's, no, that's, that's no, no shame, you know, first season in this division, quarterfinals of the League Cup, heads held high, mate. Definitely heads high, hitting with the nose. Um, 16,577 were the fans in the house. It's actually higher than I thought. I don't know if that sort of includes people that have bought tickets that didn't actually turn up or if it actually means that people actually scan their way through. But according to that, there was nearly 17,000, which is near the capacity. And I thought, um, you know, quite a few people had dropped out. But then maybe I might be wrong about that. Just coming back to the game, though, Laney, I mean, um, from the Brentford perspective, I think for us, um, like I said to you, missed opportunities and it just goes to show you and we keep talking about this. I mean, Brentford is, you know, some people hate it, love it, hate it. We'll talk about this probably a little bit later with the XG, which is, uh, you know, how Brentford sort of kind of, you know, how we how we use the barometer of how, you know, how, in effect, how good we are, the, the, the quality of chances we created. We're right up there, but we're not putting them in the back of the net, which can cause us problems. And I think this Chelsea game was really highlighted, the, you know, highlighted that fact. Created a lot of really good quality chances, three good quality chances, which, okay, you could say their goalkeeper did very well, but also you can argue we should have put them back in the net and we uh, didn't score them. Okay, we're out of the cup, but I think these are the opportunities that we need to make sure that we put into the back of the net in league matches. But on the flip side of it, I'd say also there are players who, um, because obviously we come out of COVID, so, you know, COVID times, we've had players who have been away in COVID, so we don't know whether or not they've been, you know, they're going to be come back. You know, fine or not, you know, we had, you know, um, Boomer who got COVID, you know, a year and a bit ago when he came back, he wasn't quite himself. So I think that was one of the fears that we've got. And also we've had injuries as well. We've got players coming back. But what I will say is that there was a quite a few plus signs from players in this game. Any player that you would actually pluck out and say, tell you something, actually, this is a real plus sign for us moving forward. 
Well, I, I would say Rico. I mean, you know, clearly he had a brilliant game, but you kind of expect that from him. But for me, I thought Mazbek Sorensen uh, was was really, really solid. You know, uh, he as a left back, he was never going to cut it because you know he's, he's not that kind of he's not built. But not built that way. He's, he's, he's a big tank of a lad, and um, but as as a, you know, as as one as part of the three at the back, then I, I don't I couldn't I don't think I could really fault him. I think the stint at left back it may have helped him in his positioning. Uh, he seemed to read the game well. He seemed to position himself uh, perfectly um, for when for when someone had just controlled the ball and they were about to kind of take the touch and and either try and push it past him or or cut you know cut down to the to the to the line to pull one back so i thought i thought mads beck again you know he's come back from a massive injury and to come back and play he played 90 minutes didn't he um i, I think that was an exceptional performance from him and you know what what kind of money would you have to pay for for that player now um, you know, it's it's a lot is the answer to that, and uh, you know we've 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 been lucky enough to kind of watch his his progress and his his education. So, you know, he's, he's turned into a very high caliber pro bill, and we're lucky to have him. I think what's quite amazing is again, you know, you would have said two seasons ago if you had Mads Beck on the bench or if he actually played in the team. You know, you would have sort of grown and go, oh, I'm not sure about that. You'd be very worried. But again, it goes to show you about how you put these players in the side and they have to play games to get experience, you know. And now, you know, you see the way that, you know, when he picks up the ball and, you know, he, he actually picks up the pace a lot of the time, actually, kind of like he's ready to go. He picks up the pace, his accelerations, his, his change of turn, you know, and stuff. You sort of think, oh, Mad, Mad Specs on the bet. You know, he's a central defender, but he's like a... He's, he's a central defender with movement and also with vision as well. Like, you know, so it's one of those ones where your your heart doesn't drop when he's in the side. You actually hope, you know, he's going to come back and get injured because he actually adds something to the team, um, which is great. So, you know, fair play to Madspec. But like I said to you, he's got to have experience. So when players, sort of, you know, fans slag off players because they're making mistakes, sometimes they've got to make those mistakes. It's, to, uh, it's the only way you learn. It's the only way you learn, Mill. You know, it's, 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 it's that all the way through life isn't it you know you, you can't get it right every time and these young lads they have to make their mistakes and learn their lessons in front of a lot of watching eyes and it, it can it can be a kind of like a very critical um uh, process where you probably question yourself and you have you have to sort of like you know keep the faith and luckily the people and the coaches around him have, have, have worked with that and they've, they've obviously seen something long term you know we talked on the podcast about three or four weeks ago about if you could have one player back who would it be and we were we were kind of reluctant to say Tarky weren't we because you know because of the way it ended but you know it was a, it was a defensive player that's like uh, very very powerful in the air um, strong strong in the tackle but with an ability to bring the ball out and you know looking at Mads Beck on Wednesday night there, there's your player yeah and also for me I mean look at Risa I mean I know he's playing a different role you know he was playing you know up front with uh, Bumo. Okay, but you know, Wiesa, um, and he missed that chance. It was a, not me funny, mate. That was a guilt edge opportunity. He headed it straight into the goalkeeper's hands where it could have gone anywhere or should have gone anywhere else. That should have been a goal. But the, the guy, when he puts the ball at his feet, he's he's mad. And, and again, the way that he switches, where he goes, he's going left, all of a sudden he just turns and goes right. Um, he, he's not the fastest player in the world, but he's just got he's got skills and uh in the right side with the right players around him, you know, Tony back in the side and the right players around him, he could be a menace. I, I could see it in, in, in months to come. Yeah. He's, I think he's one for like last third of this season. And it's all about next season, probably for, for Wiesa. He'll, he'll learn and get stronger and he'll, and he'll judge the pace of the game and he'll know where he needs to improve and the coaches can work on his weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, you've got to say, if Ivan Tony gets that header, it's probably a different story. It's probably back at net. Um, it wasn't It wasn't a strong enough header. So what does that suggest? Heading probably isn't his is natural natural strength. So what do they do? They, they work on that. So, you know, next time we'll see a header come in um, and hopefully it'll, it'll hit the far corner rather than the, you know, the goalkeeper's chest with two arms wrapped around it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the evolution, Bill. You know, we, we surely we don't expect all of these players to come here and be the finished article 
with, with our budget. You know, that's 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 something that Chelsea and Liverpool and Arsenal and Man City they can they've got that luxury. Uh, they 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 can buy the real deal on the finished article. They come in and they they can perform at the highest level almost straight away. But even they they make mistakes as well. So I'm more than happy with 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 where we are. And uh, going out of the League Cup is certainly not the end of the world. No, no. Um, also, I just quickly want to talk about Baptiste. I mean, I remember standing up there and he was playing, and I think I'm up to turn around to you, and I just said to him. He's, he's a really good player, isn't he? It's just sort of kind of just the things that he does. He's just a really good player and a really good addition to the side. Yeah, he really is. Um, everything I've seen about him this season, you know, we've said before from the from the from the preseason game at, at Old Trafford where he scored that weldy and he put in a really quality performance. Uh, all, all every time he's he's pulled on a Brentford shirt this year, he's, he's provided real moments of quality and strength. And yeah, when he when he gets the ball and drives forward, the ball just sticks to his feet, and it's very difficult to get a tackle in. It's almost like he keeps the ball in between his feet as he runs. Um, it's it's it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing skill, very close control. He's he's, he's got something really special there, and uh, if we just need to keep him fit. Um, and we've got, a, you know, again, I keep saying we've got we've got a lot to look forward to next year. Um, and there's, we've got players coming back now, Bill. And we, we, we knew that that was that was it was gonna it was we had to get over a really sticky sort of couple of weeks where the, we had injuries and then we had injuries and COVID. And now it looks like some of the sort of the, the crop players are coming back as well, and they're coming back at a very high level of fitness. I mean. The, how how Mazbek comes back and and is kind of ninety minutes fit is is unbelievable. Yeah, and and then and the last player I would like to mention as well, uh, and we keep talking about players and improvements, and, and we need to talk about this because the future is very important for us in the next couple of months. Because obviously David Ray is out for months, so we need to see how our our second in line goalkeeper is. And Fernandez, I actually thought we had a good game. You know, I think that you know we're talking about that he is a lot less. Uh, nervous than he was you know even two or three weeks ago he's a lot more comfortable on the ball he's not necessarily just kicking the ball out quickly when a player comes and rushes at him he's quickly quite happy to play the ball around the back and also he pulled off a magnificent save where he kind of cushion saved it um i'm not sure is it in the second half was it in the second yeah second half i think it was he cushion saved it a really really good save as well and i think you know that's that's a good sign like i said to you he's not He's not rare, you know, like I said, the anti-Sinton factor, like, you know, he's Eddie May wasn't anti-Sinton and we just had to put up with it. He's not rare, but at the end of the day, he is definitely improving. And I know we say this week on week, but we haven't seen the players play for a couple of weeks. You know, we've had a couple of games cancelled, so it's interesting to see the improvement over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's, he's as you say, yeah, he's getting more and more comfortable. Um, he doesn't look jittery and panicky and it's, it's, it's coming more natural to him. So, yeah, you know, it's... It's, it's, it again, it's really difficult for a goalkeeper to, to come in when when so much of our game was built around Raya. So he's had to kind of become as close to him as is possible. But he's he's, he's getting there now. He's, uh, he's 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 certainly he's certainly uh, again something something that doesn't we don't get the jitters every time the ball goes back to him now, which was was happening after the first couple of games. Yeah, indeed. So listen, we're going to go over to JB, who's going to give us some facts and some funk, some League Cup. Facts and Funks, and also he's going all Christmas Day on us. JB, give us some facts and some funk. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Who? JB, and he's ready to stock it to you one time. Uh, get it. Hello, David Birchall here again. In the 62 seasons of the League Cup, it's no great surprise that under Thomas Frank, this is our most successful period. We've recorded eight wins already over the last couple of seasons, a record score of 7-0, our first ever hat-trick thanks to Marcus Force, and reached the quarter-final stage two seasons running. Chelsea will also be Thomas's 10th different League Cup opponent, something no other Bees manager can match. We haven't played on Christmas Day for 64 years, and although matches on the 25th were often local derbies, in 1934, it brought Plymouth Argyle to Griffin Park for a nil-nil draw. Whilst the reverse fixture on Boxing Day required both teams to make the 200-mile journey for a 1-1 draw just 24 hours later. It's been muted there may be an enforced break in the coming weeks. Our longest mid-season gap was very recently with the 105 days during the initial Covid outbreak in 2020. 
Prior to that, the longest period was when there were no games between Boxing Day 1962 until a couple of days after Valentine's Day in 1963. A gap of 52 days when the country was in the grip of the Big Freeze. So there you go, JB with his facts and his funk. And like you say, just what not just one last point of that, you know, listen, you know, you know, you're talking about sort of uh you know, it, it was quite a touristy game to be <laughs> this Chelsea game. I've obviously a lot of people, you know, invited and it's great that new people are coming down to get the opportunity to go to, to New Griffin Park, especially the fact that, you know, a lot of tickets, I think, became available very late in the day because a lot of people didn't want to go. So it's quite interesting that, you know, that's a lot of people that had probably never been there before. It's their first game to go and see it. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. And uh, like I said to you, interestingly, like I said to you, graced our pitch, you know, you know, as you talk about the likes of, you know, who is it? as well Reese James when he came on fantastic player you know Mason Mount he just up the the ante as well Pulisic as well I talk about MLS quite a lot as well and he plays for the US national team and they think he's going to be the shining light for them whether or not he is or not we shall see like you know Jorginho came on to call the penalty you know um as well Chabala brilliant player so you know all these players actually kind of gracing our pitch you know this is the kind of thing and I'm just I'm saying it again because it's and also of course I have to mention Kante as well because when he came on he completely changed the game but it's funny because when it happened we kind of almost didn't blink twice about it did we Laney? <laughs> no not not really no we, we didn't no it's, it's, it's becoming it's becoming um a natural place we're, we're getting used to it i would say to new fans as well um you know yeah do come and enjoy do come and feel like you're you're you're, you're welcome because because you very much are but one of the unwritten rules is we at brentford our fans we don't walk out after 80 minutes whether we're winning or losing, we, we wait we wait to the end. You know, obviously some people are going to sneak away, but we don't do the fire drill. And we, we did that on Wednesday and um, I thought it was a bit embarrassing. Um, uh, there's, there's no excuse for it. So, uh, you know, that's that's my opinion. You haven't got to take any notice of it. Well, it's just, uh, it's, the, 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 it's not good for the players to see. Uh, you know, if the players had, had given up after 80 minutes, we'd, we, we, we'd be really really angry and um, for the fans to be streaming out and the players to to look up and see that the, if the fans are given up on you then where's the incentive so uh you know it's it's you know you, you've got to be careful yeah and, I, and, and i'll be a devil's advocate on this one you know i've saw a similar type uh, argument on a west ham thread because a lot of west ham fans leave like 10 minutes before the end and one fan mentioned it and it, and it just all went off left right and center and their argument is that you know if i leave 10 minutes earlier you know, I can get home an hour and a half later because of trains, because it's a late train, and you know, lots of excuses like this. Did, like, did oh, they not? Did they not know the, the times of the trains before? They, they knew the, the time the kickoff yeah. and what time Listen, it was going to finish. I'm, I'm just throwing the foot into the pot. I mean, I think also the other argument is that if the game, yeah, if, the, if it was, you, one you, were, st- you were sticking up for half and half scarves the other night as well. So you, 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 you watch out, Bill. You careful what you wish for, mate. Listen, I'm just <laughs> uh, listen. I'm just throwing the argument in on the other side, and I, and I'm, I'm not saying it's right or wrong because the, the other argument is that if the game was one all and it was 89 minutes, would these people still be leaving? Uh, and also, you know, what happens if we scored two goals in extra time, as we have done in games as well, you know, and what happens if the game is going to go to penalties in the end? Would they be leaving early still? So again, there's, there's a talk, I understand the argument if you're losing 2-0, but with 10 minutes to go, you can always you can always pull the game back, as we know, because this is football and it's, it's not natural. Things Strange things happen in football matches, you know, as they say. But anyway... Listen, we're going to go off and, uh, like I said, I'm going to have another little stroll down on the mm-hmm. seafront as well. You know, I might get a bit of fresh air and then I'll, have see, a if I'll see, yeah, see if I see Neil Malpay actually, you know, running on the beach. Actually, I might even see him, have a little word with him, see if he'll stand in front of me with his arms outstretched. Like you say. Is that what, you know, is that what a donkey's exercise these days? <laughs> uh, that's, that's right so uh you know he might miss me you know one time out of uh he'll actually you know miss me three times out of four but you know hmm. catch me the one time but anyway yeah, tri- and then he'll trip you yeah. trip you over and chuck you in yeah <laughs> uh, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about brighton so boxing day 8 p.m kerfuffle malarkey unhappiness these fans struggling to get down to Brighton for Boxing Day. There's no public transport as such. I don't think so in London. There are coaches, obviously, from Brentford, which you can get if you want to come down there. I don't know if they're full up as yet. Also, there is National Express coaches, actually, that you can get from uh, London down to Brighton as well. And I think there's National Express coaches back after the game as well. If you wanted to come down there, you can get taxis if you get down to Brighton. 
loads of pubs are going to be open in Brighton from, I think it's from midday as well. So if you can get down there, there's places to drink. Um, there's also, if you check it out as well, there's transport and parking. Um, so there's park and rides, you know, the Sainsbury's and Hollingbury, you know, the, the, the Asda somewhere, I think another Sainsbury's. There's lots of, if you go and check out the Brighton website, there's loads of park and rides that you can go to as well. So it is there and you can do it. It's a little bit of a pain and you might have to have a designated driver on the day but you could be there. On the plus side, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, is that it sounds like the Brighton fans are a little bit peeved off, so they're not going to have many fans down there in the game. So this is an opportunity if these fans are coming down to actually make some noise and maybe get behind them. But Brighton, Boxing Day, Laney, looking forward to it? Yeah, I am. Um, obviously, you know, obviously it's, it's a shocker. The, 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 time, the time of night it is, 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 is very, very antisocial. Um, you know, we've, we've, it's an argument that's been lost and it's, and it's happening. We, 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 we know what we've got to get on with it now. Um, it doesn't make it any easier because, you know, we're all going to miss out, probably a lot of us are going to miss out on, on quality family time. It's, a, it's an evening that we, we should all be together or, you know, certainly kind of just it shouldn't be as stressful as it's going to be. It, 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 there's no easy way of doing it. Um, uh, that aside, um, it's a game that I am looking forward to. We owe them. Um, it was an unjust win uh, our place uh, in September where you know Trossard scored a really good goal um, to, to, to clinch it. Uh, we should have at least got a point that day and we should have carried on being unbeaten at that stage of the season. It was our first taste of defeat and it was it was a hard pill to swallow. So we do owe them one um, and I think we stand a really good chance, you know, as, as we've already touched upon. The, the, the squad is looking stronger. Um, Ivan Tony came on for a subs appearance. I imagine he will start. There's 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 danger. Um, we'll we'll go at uh, we'll go at Brighton and we'll we'll we stand a good chance of getting something out of it. They're not on brilliant form. They're not losing lots, um, but they're not winning a lot. So it's it's a game, as I say, we, we approach. We should be very confident of getting at least a point out of. OK, as it goes into Stats Wars Brighton, Stats versus Brentford Stats. Let's go over to our Stats man, Will, the spreadsheet winker. He's going to let us know exactly what's going down, stats-wise, with Brighton. So what do we need to know about Brighton then? They've not won in the Premier League since the 19th of September, but they have won the XG battle on seven occasions since then. They seem to be having the same issues with their strikers being the opposite of clinical again as last year. Neil Mopey is their top scorer on six goals off a 5.49 XG. And all their other players who are close to Neil seem to also be creating just about the same amount of chances that they're scoring when comparing the XG to actual goals scored. So then, what's the issue? When compared to B's, we've got players like Wissa who scored two from less than one XG, and Rico Henry with two from just more than one. Having defenders and wingers score for us, even from small chances, alleviates the pressure on the strikers, whereas it seems like Mopé and Trossard have to do all the heavy lifting for Brighton. They've got a surprisingly good defence despite their recent record, in fact being fourth in the league for XG against with an average of 1.22. Bees on the other hand are slightly behind on that metric in seventh on 1.41 XG per match conceded. We won't get all that many chances, so it's crucial that Mbermo and whoever's partnering him have their shooting boots on. So that was Will, the spreadsheet winker, giving us the lowdown on Brighton. More information on Brighton. Obviously, we played them in September. We lost to a last-minute winner from Trossard, who beat us 1-0. A bit of a gutter, because, we again, we had another three chances in the first half, and we should have put them to bed. And They scored in the very last kick of the game. And like I said, it's a bit of a gutter. Um, since then, we've gone slightly different to what we were before that game, and also Brighton have gone slightly different as well. So we're going to go over to A.D. Packham from the Albion Raw podcast and radio show, and he's going to give us the lowdown on Brighton. Hello, my name's Aidy Packham. I'm the presenter of the Albion Raw radio show and podcast in Brighton on Radio Reverb 97.2 FM. Um, we've been going, well, for a very, very long time. We've been going since 2003 doing this show. And, um, and actually, as I said to Billy when he guested on our show uh, back in September, uh, Brentford are one of the few 
clubs that we can say we've played in every single competition that we've ever entered, apart from the Sussex Senior Cup, obviously, because you can't enter that. But, uh, I mean, with that, we include the Freight Rover, the Sherpa Van, leagues, like, divisions one to four, and, and obviously now in September uh, in the Premier League as well. Um, and it does look like that is going to have continue uh, on Boxing Day. Now, I, I don't feel very happy about the fact that the game is still going ahead uh, for two reasons. One, obviously, the, the COVID reasons that we've got going on at the moment, which uh, it's our game against Wolves last week. We saw a very sparsely populated Amex. And that was on a day when you could actually could get to the stadium. Um, people are obviously very, very concerned about what's going on at the moment with, with the virus and, and the, the various new strains that, that are affecting everyone. And people don't want their Christmas affected. Um, I mean, traditionally, Boxing Day is, is one of those games where you turn up with your families and, and, and see your friends exchange, exchange weird gifts, wearing knitwear that your nan's just knitted to you or stuff that you're never, ever going to wear ever again with the strange aroma of decomposing Brussels sprouts in the air uh, to mix with the pies and pints that uh, you've always been available. Um, this is very, very different. This is a game that's been... Well, it was a game when the fixtures came out. We were looking forward to playing Brentford, obviously coming to the new stadium, which we did in September, uh, and, and, and welcoming you back to, to uh, the Amex, where we've... Um, had uh, a good record and we have a good rapport with you guys um but this is just ridiculous isn't it boxing day as i said it, it's it should be no later than a three o'clock kickoff it's traditional uh, traditionally a, a game for local rivals where you can actually walk to the ground and not have to worry about public transport to for the game to be kicking off at eight o'clock on a boxing day it's absolutely disgusting I mean, Brentford fans can't get down until, um, apart from, um, unless you drive. Brighton fans are struggling to get there. There's no public transport to get to the stadium for a stadium that's designed to be got to by public transport. It's just an absolute farce. TV is just killed this one. And, you know, with, when the attendance is announced on, on Boxing Day, they'll say it's a 30,000 uh, turnout. Where in reality, I would be very, very surprised to see more than 14,000 there. In fact, it, it, this will be our lowest ever league, a Premier League attendance. I can pretty much guarantee it because people are voting with their feet. People don't want to, people should be spending time with their families at eight o'clock on Boxing Day watching reruns of Morecambe and Wise or uh, the Two Ronnies or what, whatever fair that the, uh, the the tv gods decide is fit for us this year it's just it's not it's not it's not a football time on any for any stretch of the imagination it's just i'm very 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 frustrated by it but um if the game goes ahead you know we we face the the bees in in good decent form you're actually above us in the table at the moment on goal difference um your season uh it started very well with that game against arsenal um, obviously, we were delighted to get the three points against you in September in a game where we, we probably got away with one. I think we uh, <laughs> well, that late that late late goal was it was a kick in the cojones, I think. But um, you know, um, we were on a good run at that time, and uh, we've still only we've only lost the one game away from the Amex this season. Home form has not been so great. Um, we're on a run of 11 games without a win in all competitions at the moment, uh, which has been a concern. But we are drawing a lot of those matches, and I very much suspect that Boxing Day will add to that catalogue of draws. But um, I'm not expecting a, an exciting game. I'm not expecting uh, a 5-4 a uh, thriller. I'm expecting people to be there because... I don't know why are we going to be there. Like I said, eight o'clock on a Boxing Day, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But um, you know, we after that, the, obviously, COVID has hit the season pretty hard. We've already had uh, a couple of games called. We've had the the way at Manchester United was pulled. The home game against Spurs has been pulled because of it. Should we be playing uh, over Christmas at all? Should anyone be playing over Christmas at all? 
Probably not. But they're, they're, the authorities are running a bit scared because of the World Cup next year and they don't want this season to overrun. But, um, yeah, that's another story for another day. And I'm sure that um, um, my good friend Billy will... will will tell you all about his thoughts of the, the World Cup in Qatar, of which I know he has various, very strong opinions. Um, as for us, Graham Potter, he's the gaffer at the moment. Uh, are we happy with him? Uh, yes, we are very happy with him. But the jury is out in certain elements of, of our style of play. Sometimes it feels like a death by a thousand cuts and you know, you can have all the possession and play all the beautiful football in the world. But if you're not putting the ball in the back of the net, then it counts for nothing. And uh, that we thought we'd alleviated that particular ghost from, from, from our game this year with early doors where we were actually um, XG wasn't our, our cha- we weren't the, the, the XG champions of the world. But uh, we, we, we appear to be getting down to that that road again where we're creating a couple of chances but we're just not scoring goals and if you don't score goals you don't win games and you know just when we thought we could actually start looking up the table for a change um we're back to looking down the table but then that's our natural position we're Brighton Hove Albion we don't expect to be challenging for the Champions League places we're always going to be nervously looking over our shoulder but you know it was we still think a, a top a top half finish um, is a possibility for us. 13th is the highest ever top flight placing. We're hoping to at least um, match or beat that. Um, uh, Billy's asked me to talk about Neil Morpé. Well, why do I need to talk about Neil Morpé? You know well, exactly about Neil. He's uh, le, le petit uh, maison de merde, uh, is, uh, is the, his official term, I believe. Um, we know what he's like. He, he's, he should be scoring more goals. He's, he's, he's still uh, a one in four uh, decent opportunities um, striker, where we probably need a one in two. Uh, he probably needs someone to play off him. His all-round game is, is great, but... At the end of the day, strikers are always going to be judged on goals. And, you know, he does miss a lot of easy chances, um, which is frustrating. Um, it's frustrating for him as well, I'm sure. Um, but he, he does go on, on, a, on a run of scoring goals. And then he'll, then he'll have, have a run of um, six or seven games where, where he, he doesn't bother the scorers. Um, let, let's hope that um, he does get an opportunity to play against you lot on, uh, on, on Boxing Day. And, uh, and put the ball in the younger bag. Of course, he won't celebrate on that one. He, he's got too much respect, has he? I don't know. We don't know about him. But, um, yeah, but that's us. Um, Merry Christmas from us here at Brighton. We'll, we'll see some of you on Boxing Day. Good luck getting there. Um, we all know that uh, the game should be either uh, not be taking place or at a decent time. Um, and I very much suspect a lot of your supporters will uh, take the option of spending time with your family and uh, it, watching it on the telly or, or on, on catch-up because, like I said, it's Boxing Day, isn't it? Eight o'clock is not a time to be playing a football match. Take care. Merry Christmas. I've been AD Packham from the Albion Raw. We'll see you soon. Bye. So there you go, AD Packham from the Albion Raw, and he's really not happy at all about the kickoff time and the times and you know listen we've talked about that quite a lot and listen it you know I'm, I'm listen we can do a whole show on this but that's not really the point at the moment now the, the point is the game is happening and I suppose for us bees fans we just need to you know, either get down there and support the team or if not get in front of your TVs with, with your mates your families and try and support them through the cathode ray actually old school mm. cathode ray, anymore, <laughs> cathode ray like, are we? <laughs> yeah so you support them that way uh, look it, 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 it is what it is i mean for me you know i'm very lucky because like i said to you i'm already down you know i've been down here for a week now like you know what i'm saying so uh, uh so my pottiness for this game has been quite high for quite a while um and like i said to you i think there's a big opportunity for bees fans to uh to to to, to get behind their team because anyone who's going to keep coming down there on boxing day i would like to think you're going to be fairly party for it and also <laughs> the other thing is i think that you know the match is at eight o'clock on a boxing day which is a we would have preferred 5 30 or three o'clock 
of course it'd be much better but at the end of the day is that even if it's at three o'clock you know your boxing day is there's an away fan is done you know because you ain't getting back till you know nine ten o'clock at night so at the end of the day you just got to make the most of it so i suppose in this case if you get down to brighton earlier come and meet us down the boozer and have a few beers with us before the game and get yourself right in the mood because we'll be we'll be down there you can dm us or message us or kind of whatever else you need to do to find out exactly where we'll be but um I mean, Laney, Brighton, you know, coming back from losing positions is what they're good at. You know, defending set pieces, protecting the lead and stealing the ball from the opposition. They're very good at that. Where they're weak is finishing scoring chances so they don't, you know, score as many as they should do. And that's been the same when they came down to us. Neil Malpay, as uh, as AD said, one in four striker when he'd prefer him to be a one in two. Misses three out of four. And we know that. Also defending against log shots and defending against counter attacks opportunity is always there yeah very similar to us I'd, I'd say you know looking the league the league table shows that you know we're we've been fairly evenly matched they had a slightly better start than us um but it's, it's panned out that you know it's 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 brought us right bang next to each other um we're we're both promising very decent premiership football clubs we're not we're not we're certainly both we're both sort of punching above our weight probably um and it's 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 probably got draw written all over it hasn't it let's, let's be honest with you but i I, th- I still think that there's probably enough of an edge about us uh, and a, enough of uh like an injection of 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 strength about to come back our way i don't think brian and bumo's played much better for us i think he's in incredible form uh, that that's hopefully set to continue. Tony is coming back into the team. He's got quite a lot to prove um, at, at this level still. Uh, not to us, but to himself. He'll, he'll want to carry on scoring goals. Um, and then there's there's players that are, are kind of coming back into that team that I, I think that that add to us. And you know, I think Canos had an okay-ish game on on Wednesday night. I'm sure he'll he'll be starting again, and I think this this is this is kind of a, a game where he'll be more confident. I guess against Chelsea, he's, he's like he's not wanting to get embarrassed, not wanting to get caught out. It's it's kind of like it's it's a bit kind of edging your chances a bit more. Against Brighton, he'll he'll know that he's got the beating of his of his marker or or the defender ahead of him, and and I, and I think we'll we'll see a a, a more fluid display from him. Um, and then I, and I, 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 I saw that Rico came off a sub and he didn't look particularly happy about that. Then I guessed that it wasn't an injury or if it was, it was only a slight, slight precaution and he felt he could go on himself. But he won't have, he won't have um, lost out on those last 10 minutes uh, against Chelsea and hopefully he will be raring to go again because, you know, he's in a very rich which vein of form and um, we're very reliant upon him at his pace at the back um, and his skill coming forward so uh, yeah I think there's a goal goal coming again for from Rico because you know he, he he's, he's he's quite dangerous now he's getting more dangerous yeah he is and you know to, to this other thing, I mean just casting our mind back to the uh, to the bees game actually uh there's one player who actually really, um, really quite impressed us, actually, if you remember rightly, because we're thinking it's the midfield battle going to be, that's Basuma for Brighton, you know, mm. you know, if you remember rightly. So, you know, we were just wondering whether, I thought one thinking, wondering where that battle's going to be between Basuma and, you know, we're talking about Norgard, you know, Yanel in the midfield. But from what I can gather, and again, like, I know AD didn't really sort of pick up on that too much, but I'm living a little stiff around and, and it looks like Basuma might not actually be playing tomorrow. I don't know if he's got yellow carded or he's got injuries or what it was, if he's got, you know, over the yellow cards, because he got two yellow cards in a row the last two matches. So, uh, but that could be quite good for us, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, we don't, yeah, we, we want as many injuries and, and suspensions going their way as possible. Yeah, I mean, Trossard, hopefully, he, he, he's out as well. Now, we, we, know, we know that they have got um, a sprinkling of real good quality. You know, they've, they're in the same kind of bracket of signing as we are. We, we know that Bloom and Benham um, have got similar-ish kind of visions and ethoses about how they how they scout and how they find talent. And you know, again, you know, it's the way that our two teams have mirrored one another in terms of tra- trajectory over the last 
five six years it's it's no coincidence that we're, we're both bang next to each other in the league you know it's uh they've got a bigger stadium than us but they've got more space around there um they got to the prem bef- ahead of us but they started that kind of that that building slightly earlier um there's a lot of similarities between brighton and and brentford but they're, they're i guess they're slightly in brackets fortunate to be a you know a one one club city um and they they've got a bigger catchment area that they can call just their own so but really yeah you know the size of the crowds won't be won't be much much different and uh you know, we we actually probably we're we're on the rise where they're kind of maybe plateaued. Yeah, and I mean, and, and talking about the Bloom and Benham, there's an, there's an there's an article online actually. I haven't checked it out, and I just saw somebody sort of sent it through on the Bloom Benham beef, as they call it. You know, and it actually goes into quite yeah. good detail about you know how Benham and Bloom start to work together you know Benham work for Bloom actually Bloom is the the chair the, well the owner of Brighton as well obviously Matthew Benham is the owner of Brentford and how he worked for him and then how they uh well they fell out you know, they stopped working I think uh, Benham left Bloom and then they moved on and uh and and I think there was accusations of appropriation of uh methods that Bloom was <laughs> using in the betting industry where they were actually kind of like streets ahead and then Benham set up his own little setup which is smart odds and that's where it's sort of kind of started from there so you know Bloom and Benham know each other but you know Bloom didn't doesn't doesn't ever you know they're not going to go in the into the director's boxes together Bloom actually hired his own pub at the Brentford game you know uh, a couple of months ago so he hired his own pub before the match and then stood in with the fans for the game actually and really celebrated so apparently you know there's like you know there's big big stakes at hand for both of these lot who want to win this match so i'm thinking that actually this could add to the atmosphere actually for us actually kind of getting a vibe for the game the fact that the two owners really want to win that and i it's think we the, need to make sure we get behind there and get behind the team it's like the least exciting big rivalry in football isn't it it's like <laughs> it's, it's kind of a fairy tale it's been it's like it has all been written before i mean let's let's be honest you know it's it's we we, we all know about it but uh a lot yeah. of people don't know a lot of people don't know about it I mean, yeah, a lot of but, people I've spoken to have got no idea about the, that Brighton do stats like what we do and that there's beef between the two. And, you know, they don't know the history at all. Like, you know, so they're actually quite surprised. So, you know, I think as we rise up the table and I mean, Brighton are there and the two of us, that, this story is going to sort of kind of sort of pit itself and come out, you know, even more because like I said to you, you know, we're just a bus stop in Hounslow as far as most people are concerned. But, you know, bus stop's got a little bit of history. Uh, well, some people will start using the term Moneyball soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Laney, I'm going to ask you, and like I said to you, if you think I'm joking about, you know, seeing Neil Malpay sort of running along the, 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 the seafront, which I, I'm here at the moment now, um, this is no lie because he has been seen. I don't know if he lives in the Hove area, but he's like been seen kind of coming along here. Um, you've, been, uh, you've, been you've been curtain twitching, Bill. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, and we laughed about the idea of Neil Malpay uh, doing a, well, doing a Malpay as he is, was standing sort of kind of like, you know, with his arms outstretched in front of people on the seafront. But, you have got a little bit of a fear because we still, you know, we still like Malpa, even though he's moved on. But you've got a bit of a fear that what something's going to happen at some game, which is going to make you a little bit upset with Malpa, aren't you? Yeah, he's got that in his locker, hasn't he? Um, I, I hope he doesn't. I mean, I hope he doesn't. Lot, I hope he doesn't. Be, I, hope he, I hope he doesn't become a shit house to, to us. You know, I, 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 I think. You know, we've we've shared a lot of love for him. We've enjoyed his his rise. We kind of we enjoyed him going to Brighton and seeing him score because he was still one of our own. We massively enjoyed him winding the Leeds fans up, um, continuing which was beef that started at, at Brentford. Um, and I, d- I don't really want to see that shattered. I don't want him to score against us because obviously it, it might mean that you know we don't win. Um, but I. I, I yeah, I, I mean, he, he'll do. Neil Morpay will do what Neil Neil Morpay does, uh, I, but I just hope he doesn't. He doesn't sort of ruin it because you know we we can continue to you know respect him and enjoy seeing him score without any kind of like um, bitterness. And I, I think that would be a be a shame. It might happen. If it does happen, hey ho, <laughs> I'm a big boy. I'll, I'll I'll have to just dislike him. But at the moment, I you know I, I just as I said, I've I've enjoyed his rise, and I, I think he's a uh, listening to him speak after that 
Crystal Palace um, worldie that he scored um, at Selhurst Park earlier in the season where Brighton got a you know a late late equaliser um, and hits hearing him uh, explain the, the the winding up of Zaha um, and the the celebration in front of the, the Palace um, fans who you know obviously they're they're, they're number one rivals he, he he had a massive smile on his face when he was talking to Thierry Henry and it was one of those million million tweet watched clips and YouTube clips where you know it was it was gold it was football gold and I want to carry on enjoying that without thinking you 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 petty little bastard (laughs) so uh you know he's 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 a he's he's one of our own and hopefully you know he'll continue to have manners for the bees Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Just talking about team as well, because obviously, like I said to you, we're coming back and, you know, if anything, we could probably use that Chelsea game as a bit more of a training game for us, like, you know, bringing our players back to fitness. Ivan Tony was on the bench and Norgard was on the bench as well, which we thought, hmm, does that mean that they had COVID and they're just recovering or is this just a tactical thing or is it we're just giving them a bit of a rest? But Ivan Tony, when he came on, wasn't necessarily the Ivan Tony that we kind of knew, really. He was mm, so-so, wasn't he? So... But obviously, you must be, you know, I would say so-so. He actually wasn't very good. His touch wasn't great. Move wasn't great. I mean, and I know he didn't have necessarily a load of time on, on the ball. And, I'm, you know, the question mark was, you know, is he, is he, did he have post-COVID symptoms? Or is this just one of these things where he just needs to get back into fitness? But he's had a few more days to train now. So, technically, you would see Ivan Tonia starting, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. Um, we have to get, get that get that partnership working if he's if he's fit enough to be on the bench you assume he's fit enough to start and he just needs to be eased back slightly um yeah i i I, it's not uh, i don't think it's something we wait around for it it may not be um as as good as it as it has been straight away but we have to let that build back up again so yeah i I, I, i'd go bumo um out on the wing and tony up top um that's i think that's the way it has to be that's the certainly our strongest striking partnership um and that's 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 what i'm expecting boxing day night mate and, and, and in the midfield, Baptiste, I think it's great. Baptiste, Yanel and Jensen, are you thinking that those three are going to stay as is? Yeah, I, I am. I, I see nothing to, to change that. You know, Jensen um, could have scored. He got himself in a good position. Um, he produced an incredible pass, um, you know, for that the, the let Rico through. Uh, he, he, he's in OK, Nick. Um, he's creative. We, we need to create. Um, I, I don't see any reason to change any of that. Assuming that no one got injured, I didn't. I don't think they did. Uh, it's 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 looking it's looking good squad wise. And Pinnock on the right of the centre backs, Sorensen on the left of the centre backs, Pontus Janssen in the centre of the centre backs as well with uh, Henry and Sergi Canos. So he didn't again didn't have a great game against Chelsea. You're looking at that as our sort of three stroke five at the back, is it? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Which is all good. So listen, we've got Brighton. We're kind of coming up. Like I said to you, check out um, Brentford FC website or maybe the Brighton FC website. You'll have all sorts of details for parking, for transport. Like I said to you, there are ways of getting down. Like you said, coaches, if you want to get a coach down there, you can get a coach. I know it's a bit of a pain. There's no trains as far as I'm concerned. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, some people are coming down and trying to stay up all night and then getting the first train back in the morning. You know, you might find a place to stay if you want to stay down there as well. There's plenty of opportunities or like a, you jump in a car ride. Maybe you should put maybe tweets out there if you want to do some car shares because maybe somebody's driving down and they can offer to do some car shares with people, which would be quite good. Maybe the club should have actually put that into the mixer for people just to make it easier for them to come down there. But Laney, score prediction, Brighton away, Boxing Day. Brighton away Boxing Day, this B is going for a 2-1 win. And I'll touch upon the fans one last time before we move on. I Brentford fans have not let us down at all for donkeys in terms of numbers. And I'm expecting a very raucous, very loud away end, regardless of how difficult it's been. I think there will be numbers and I, and I think I'm looking forward to a big post-Christmas sing-song. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. And I'm going to go for 2 nil to the bees as well. Uh, so, which is all good. And like I said to you, you catch us for the game, we'll be drinking in and around the station, in and around sort of the lanes, the north lanes as well. So, like I said, if you're coming down early, just like I said, try and find out where we are or message us and we'll let you know because we're starting quite early, three o'clock in the afternoon. Lady, you're even coming down with your, your duvet and your, your stuff. You're sleeping on the old couch, aren't you? 
Yes, mate. Yep, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That should be good. Um, hopefully, we'll find somewhere to have a, a couple of Swifties post-match as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Post-match and pre-match, pre-match and post-match, we'll be having a good Swifties. But like I said to you, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast brought to you by Anything Is Possible AIP. Dot media. Don't forget to subscribe to us and write us some reviews. And also, like I said to you, podcasts coming thick and fast. We'll have another podcast soon out on Pride of West.London. We'll have a post-match podcast after the Brighton game. And then we're going to go straight into the Man City game as well. And we've got the Blue Moon podcast from Man City already recording. Their little kind of, well, we're going to be doing it on Boxing Day. You know, they're a re- preview for the Man City game. So they're coming thick and fast, as we say. Well, like I said, my name's Billy Grant. I'm here south coast bound, waiting for all you bees to come down and join me because I'm absolutely potty for it because we're playing Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> Boxing Day, and uh, listen, you know, at the end of the day, listen, you know, we've, we didn't get in Chelsea. We forget that, put in the back of our minds. A training game, you know, we've got some games. We're coming back up to Boxing Day. We're really good. We're really, 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 as we say, come on, you bees, come on, you bees, can you bees, you bees. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.